0: All right. This is the Austin Conference Call for July Seventeenth, Two Thousand Nineteen, and where the subject tonight is going to be why faithless communities have failed in the past. The conversation will be led by John Greer, and this is uh OASI Conference Call Number Eleven. So, Joan?
1: Uh, well, let's do our, our prayer first. Yes.
2: Okay.
1: Um. Oh, great Spirit, cre- uh, who wants to do the prayer? You- Go ahead, Peter. Go ahead.
2: Let's uh, <laughs>
1: oh, move on. Spirit, yes. prayer, Mother, Mother we come to you this night, looking for light and community. Give us the understanding we need to build better community to come more in unity with thee and each other so we may really carry through your will amen. amen amen
2: amen are we ready
1: we're ready it's yours
2: um i thought i'd start with the uh, the first work for a children's home. I think most people aren't aware of it. Uh, Jim Dannen mentioned it in... Hi. Hi, this is Sarah.
1: Okay, welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Um,
2: Jim Dannen mentioned it in his um, chronology of it in um, one of his writings, but he had no specific information about it. And uh I was very fortunate to find quite a bit about it among um the typed letters to Andrew Bates that I have taken to calling the Bates papers. These were letters between Bates um and Newborough and um someone typed them up and circulated them among the Brotherhood of Light and um, There are copies of them that we were able to obtain through uh, the New Mexico Historical Society. But the first community was in New Jersey. Um, You've ever been offered uh, property on the Pearl River.
1: Oh, someone else came on? Uh, Hello? Uh,
2: I'm talking about... I'm talking about the first community Newboro has started. It was um, he was offered uh, small acreage on the Pearl River, but um, someone that I think it was one of his wife's uh, somebody his wife knew offered their farm. It was a half a mile from the train station much closer to New York City, and it was a big acreage, and because it was a large farm, Newborough thought it was more smooth. Um, he made one mistake. He took the faith there at harvest time, and there were 20 workers there uh, harvesting whatever um, crops that, I suppose it was uh, wheat or, or a crop like that, Um and they drank heavily and were up all night, stupid and hollering and working all day. Uh, they, as I say, they drank very heavily, and Newburgh noted that in his, his letters to people. Um, it wasn't very satisfactory. And, um, he, the man who owned the property. Um, the husband of the woman that uh, had offered it to him to Newborough. They didn't get along very well. And um, one of the women was pregnant. That was Francis. And um, there were a lot of unmarried men. And uh, this gentleman named Thompson, he, he told Newborough that he thought it would be better if the men left and it should be a home for the women and the children. And uh, that wasn't quite uh, Newborough's dream. So after, uh, I think it was three weeks, they packed up and each of them went their own way. Uh, One of the people went to another community to check it out for Newborough and we'll talk about that later. But the first, I don't know if you would even call it an attempt because it was only three weeks. And they had no lease on the land. They had—they were just living in camp. So it was a very humble beginning. Uh, he then, Newborough then went to the um, small acreage on the Pearl River that had a small house. And... Um, He had been raised on a farm. You probably remember um, reading about his early childhood. And he really enjoyed being close to nature again. And he wrote letters about how much he enjoyed being there. Uh, There weren't very many people that were there. Um, There had been several orphans that they had gathered in New York. And these were given... When they, they left New Jersey, these were given to other people, and uh, when they went to the property on the Pearl River, they didn't have any children with them. <coughs> so the Pearl River became the staging for Shalem, and um, we've about done Shalem.
3: <laughs> Everybody should know
2: what happened to Shalem. Um but I'll just give a quick a quick uh, overview of it. Maybe Leslie can correct me if I get you off the track. Oh. No. Uh, um, you know, Leslie had a museum in Las Cruces and had access to so much material. So um she's very knowledgeable about um Salem and the people who were there. Um, at any rate, um Howland purchased the land, but did not go. All of the volunteers, and there were around 20, we have different numbers, and just around 20 seems comfortable, Um, who went by train. There was an advance party that went first and uh, set up cooking and a tent for the um, women. And uh, Francis uh, had her nephews with her. Uh, her brother had had uh, died, and apparently Francis became the guardian of of the brother's children. And one of the brothers is mentioned as returning to Shalem as an adult and visiting. Um, so obviously, uh, it hadn't been a bad experience for him. He would be happy to Um, Shalom never really had a chance because Howland looked upon it as um, his own investment to protect himself from what he thought would be a catastrophic, um, uh, what would you call it, uh, economic disaster. Uh, Some years later, when he was in in um, Long Beach after he sold the property he was in Long Beach uh, a newspaper article carried the story um, this reporter interviewed him and knew and Howland showed the reporter a clipping he'd been carrying around for years that said there was going to be this catastrophic economic failure and uh, Howland Was trying to uh, ensure his his position in that uh, with his interest in Shalem, Um, he turned it into a dairy farm and a chicken and egg farm. He uh, they killed chickens and sold them to the local people. I think some of these plans may have been at the root of, of why. The volunteers were very unhappy. They complained to um, Alan that they wanted to have a say, that they thought that it was to be a group group effort. And so he had a constitution and an incorporation drawn up. I guess it was an incorporation, right, Leslie? And... but he left the stipulation that he could evict. He evict them all if he wanted to. And they all signed it. All of the volunteers signed it. And um, when he, when Howard uh, continued to give all the directions and say how it was all to be done, they objected, so he evicted all of the volunteers. And I'm sure that he expected more people to come, but they never did. People would come to visit and they would leave. Um, So this is when Howland um, built Levitica, which was uh, 22-room cottages, I guess, with houses in back, um, for... People he sent railway cars or had railway cars come from Denver and Kansas City with people who wanted <laughs> to come and live there. Uh, Howland's idea was they'd come and work, but they just came and kind of walled around according to the written records. There was only one, um, one family that worked, and when, um, when Howland finally closed. Leviticus, and he hired railway cars and sent the people back to Denver and Kansas City. Uh, I'll say one thing to his credit. He provided them with a little bit of money to get themselves off the streets and get settled in um, their cities. But um, Shadom was never a group Activity that it was promised it was it was always Allen's, and it was always his way to run it and uh, the volunteers felt they had been misled, and um, this thread of one person financing the land, and sometimes the whole operation is at the heart of most of the failures of the faithist communities. Uh, As we take a look at them, you will discover that um, the same same situation kept rearing its ugly head. when when Howland evicted the workers, they went. Uh, they they I would say generally some of them went to Denver, and some of them went to the Los Angeles area. Maybe not initially, but within the first year, because people were beginning to go to California, there was quite a gathering of people there. And there were several children's homes in Los Angeles. Some of them were successful, although very small. Um, People that went to Denver joined a group called the Faithless Brotherhood of Life. It was a group that um, was given money. Uh, They were given shares in a gold mine. And... um, they were very well substantially fixed uh financially, and it was a group operation um, there was no one that tried to tell them what to do they they each year they um, had an had an election and they they chose who would be their um they're policy people, and they always uh, put questions to this person. And it wasn't necessarily someone who lived on the property, but it was someone that they trusted. And his letters can be found in their papers. They kept wonderful records. They're the ones that uh, people say uh, about the um, starvation, there was a lawsuit brought by people in in the county by one person in the county they lived in um, the The lawsuit was dismissed. The district attorney said that the the person who started it it was for uh, uh, to get themselves elected to a public office and asked the judge, she dismissed the case and the judge Dismissed it and complimented the the brotherhood for taking in children that were otherwise not um, had no home, orphans, abandoned, down those uh, were illegitimate children. Generally, uh, they had about twenty children at this point, uh, although they had um, high mortality from the infants, but that was. That was high mortality for children that were born in circumstances like that, and uh, the judge in the lawsuit said that it was not unusual that there, the 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 rate of the death of the infants was not out of the um, the norm for these kinds of um, children who had no prenatal care. The mothers had no prenatal care. So after this loxip thing, um, the Brotherhood of White moved to the Los Angeles area. Um, they traveled by um, wagons. They loaded up their possessions in wagons. They sold their property. And it appears they affiliated with the other group of people who Howland had um, evicted. It, the names are similar. Um, these people all knew each other. It's obvious in the minutes as you need, as I read that um, they were all they all knew each other, and the group was run by. Um, People who had been very active with you, girls, the ones she depended on, and it was very successful. They raised altogether together over 20 children to emancipation. And by this time, it was not possible to have foundling children; you had to adopt them. And while they were able to adopt some, um, they did not. They did not adopt. Um, children um, the way they had taken in founders. But at any rate they raised their children and emancipated them and um, because of Jim Dinnan's excellent research I was able to contact uh, one of the children who was raised there. Uh, He was very elderly. Uh, He was son of some of these people who had been at Shalem. And his uh, son and I corresponded, uh, and eventually uh, the the son Ian was his name Ian Watson uh, took uh, some books and papers, things like autograph books, wonderful. And then we had samples of everyone's Um, handwriting, some photographs, some wonderful photographs from the group, and um, they, uh, Ian took his, his father and mother to the New Mexico Historical Society, and those documents are now there among their papers. Wonderful, a wonderful gesture, because they were things we didn't have. And in the photograph, uh, they had a meeting there. Uh, and Howland, Howland had sold Shalem and moved to Long Beach. And Howland attended their meeting. And whenever I talk about it or write about it, I always wonder what he thought when he saw all these adults, there must have been 30 adults there, at least 30 adults, um, who were contributing in small ways to the brotherhood, of, uh, to the, the faithist group there. They called themselves Cattaloon. Uh They were, one of the people was from uh, Scotland, I guess, Cuddledoon. And um, they really didn't fail. They just went out of ways to get children. And uh, when they emancipated the children, this group um moved to smaller rented a smaller home. They never owned property. They always rented. They moved to a smaller home and stayed together for many years. But their their uh success and the success of another group in Los Angeles um is never noted by people when they talk. When they go to criticize the Vospe. Um they successfully raised their children. And this other group, uh, one of the people involved with this, had written a letter to uh, the Cosmic Church in England and told about what this second group had done, and he had joined the second group. It was a small group. There were three adults, and they had, um, I think they had eight children. And he said they were very, very poor in the beginning, but they were faithful to the Creator's word, and they came into um, considerable funding and were very comfortable then because they had... They had a, found a way to get by the best they could, and they didn't give up. So there, was, there were two groups that raised children, and they were in the Los Angeles community. So what was the name of the, of this one that you're mentioning? No, you know, I don't think they had a name. Uh, the letter was from, from um, Fred Suter. Um I'd have to, I'd have to get, pull up the letter and see. Um, so, you're not talking about cutting kind of with this one, it's a different one. Yes, well, I have the letter mm-hmm. in, in the computer,
4: uh-huh. a phone
2: copy of it, because I thought it was, it was a wonderful letter and talked about how he felt that people, it would work much better to have less people and yeah. less children because he said two or three adults can get along forever. But you get you start getting four or five or six people and then they're a problem. <laughs> so he yeah. thought the answer to success was a smaller group. Mm-hmm. Uh but the other the uh Kyle Dune group had uh a large number of people uh my thinking is that they must have each worked out and contributed a little money to the group, otherwise I don't know how they could have made it. The, the Brotherhood of Light did not donate to them. They took they took their money and bought land in San Diego County. Uh, they were there in uh, the Los Angeles area with Cuddledoon for a while, and then... Um, some of them moved to San Diego County, and um, they were successful there. They built homes on their property. Um, the very this is a very curious thing about the San Diego property. Um, the um, when I discovered that they had moved to San Diego, because I found notation in their uh, minutes books when I finally got back to the close of the Brotherhood of Light minutes books, which Virginia Howard had so carefully cared for, uh, I found a um, notation that they had moved to San Diego County and... Um, I was putting out a little newsletter then because I was doing a lot of research on the, com- the communities, the children's homes, and somebody wrote to me and said that they lived in the area, that it sounded like a familiar county, and they were going to check it out, come to find out the property they bought adjoined the property of the Brotherhood of Light. And the other people around them, their neighbors, had known uh, the Brotherhood of Light. And the the women who were now older and were still living on the property had played with the Brotherhood of Light children. And from her, uh, some information was gained. However, when they arranged for me to talk to her on the phone, I had a very short conversation. And she was going to call again; she wasn't well, and she passed on and i I never did get to talk to her again, but um she had nothing but praise for the people who lived there and uh for the way that the children were raised and uh a little side right some of you probably aren't old enough, but there was a uh award winning fashion designer for i think it I think it was Warner Brothers, but I'm not sure. One of the studios. Uh, Edith Kidd, she grew up on the property. I had been raised as a uh, and a vegetarian, and her biography, her Hollywood biography, was anything but that. Um, but um, she, she. Kept in touch with people there. At least that was what this woman said. I spoke with on the phone. And uh, the head family had built her home and um, raised their family there. And um, the, the property was claimed by the city of San Diego for watershed for a dam for the city and uh, the brotherhood of life property the people who were there were allowed to live on the property until they passed on and when the last person passed on uh, the buildings were all raised and um, i have photographs of um, the woman who had played there as a child and some of the other neighbors who knew who knew about the Brotherhood. I have photographs of them on the property. It's totally fair. But the really good thing about this endeavor is that there is a a um, historical society and they have the head family had gay photograph albums and wrote an articles and there's a great deal of information there. Um... I tried to contact them to get copies of things. I think we're going to have to go there if we expect to get copies. And one of these days, we'll make it. It's not, it's, you know, it's about a five, six-hour drive from where we are during annual current. But the amount of material they have is wonderful. And they even have material on some of the other um uh people, like Tanner, uh, Tanner had a, was the faster, you know. And um, they even have quite a bit of material on him. So people have done research about the group and know quite a bit about them. Maybe it's time for me to try and contact them again and see. There's a new person there. They've updated their website and really it's really quite nice. Uh, it's the Alpine Historical Society. If anybody wants to look it up, you can see photographs of the property, the building, and um, it's it's really quite it's really quite um, quite a lot of material there. So I don't think that you could say that the Brotherhood of Light failed. I think that. Um, it was just the people who were there um, decided to move on. It was, it was the Depression. It was in the 30s. And um, it was just a general decision that people moved on. It was not a failure. Um, and, and the people who were there were happy with it, like the head family put all this material together and gave it to the art, the um, historical society. Um, let's see, what group haven't I talked about? Well, there's Wayne Anderson.
1: <laughs> I, I would just, uh, Joan, if I may uh, interject here, because you were talking about the 30s and according to the um, LOS, uh chart with light and darkness, the Depression was about the time, the start of the, that dark period, which led into the First World... I mean, the Second World War, yes. which which had a negativity of, like, minus 450-something in darkness. Um, so I um, I think that may have had a factor in just kind of closing it out for that period of time. Um, but I think it's something that we need to take into consideration as the cycles of light and darkness. And that was a very dark time, uh, as we all know, historically. Um, so that's my piece. Go ahead.
2: Well, that, that's, that's, uh, that's a good piece to put in there, Peter. Um, they did shelter, uh, conscientious objectors, um, in the first world war. Right. And, um, San Diego was a big naval base and the conscientious objectors um they deserted the navy and um went to the um the property there and uh they were never never found. And um uh, I thought that was an interesting sideline. Um the property Alpine is a couple of hours outside of San Diego. It's not far, and I really hope that that Joy and I can get down there. Uh, maybe we could get Leslie to go there and uh, get copies of all their their stuff on that. The to Alpine? Help. Yes, uh, I can send you. Uh, they have a website. It's the out well, I'll g i could send you the information and um, it would be just a straight shoot across. Um, yeah. yeah. Well don't what about the group that um, there's newspaper articles of? I'm not talking about the Brotherhood of Light. That's and the Brotherhood of... of Light. No, no, no. I'm talking about another one. No. I I think. No, another one that was in in Orange County. Like, oh yeah, uh, for yeah they And they were, and they were even there before Shayla. And I think, and they, were there I I think and they, they were Shayla, And they absorbed there. absorbed lost uh, but there were newspapers of ridicule and um, curiosity about the people. What group? What was their name? Do you know? Yeah, I do. I'm trying to remember. I don't, I don't really remember, uh, is, is proof it the Richardson, was that you? What did you say?
1: Yes. It would be the Evelyn? No, the, you know, the Elohim came later.
2: No, no. The came yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. They did not raise children. No. This would have been in the 1880s. And it was in California, and it was Orange County, like Fullerton, and there were newspaper articles, but it's not the group that was in Colorado, not the Brotherhood of Life. Oh, here's the noise. Thanks. You know, I, I can't remember their name. I don't really think of them as um, a faith group. They, they uh, live very isolated. Uh, the one, uh, the wife of the man that bought the property was a trans medium, and um, Newboro. When when the project in um, um, New Jersey failed, they got kicked out. Um, there, was, there was several men that didn't. Have anything other to do, and so uh, Newboro asked one of them, Lockwood, his name, John yeah. Lockwood, mm-hmm. to go to go there and check out the property. That he right. had a letter from them, and they were interested in becoming, a think, this community. Yes, yeah. and so Lockwood went there, and we uh, were impressed with it. But he took the name of Thales, uh, I think Thales was a Greek, yes. a Greek god. Well, it's in Oh, is it? Okay. Uh-huh. He yeah. took the name of Thales, and um, this is the wife of the man uh, who who was the transmedium, got a communication that Newborough was going to fail and that he should join them uh, because they had the true life. Yes. And of course, yes. um, <laughs> the letter is among the papers and to Newborough's credit, Newborough wrote anything negative about them he went to visit. Mm-hmm. and um other faithists who were interested in community went to visit. I think that uh Older was the only one who ever stayed, but he made a wonderful contribution to this country. he was a, a real a real innovative gardener he brought avocados to this country and sold thousands of avocado trees from their property there in in the Anaheim area. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, I wish I could remember their name. Um, I can post it if if people are interested. I'm just sorry. I, I wasn't even thinking about them when I thought about what I wanted to talk about. Um, he developed the soft-shell walnut. There's always been a first-shell walnut, and he developed the soft-shell walnut we have today. He brought in, um, he had been in Australia before he came to this country, and, um, uh, he brought things, um, food, Trees and uh, other food that was grown in Australia in the climate, which was similar, not quite like, but similar to the climate in Anaheim, which was very rural, and now it has Disneyland. Um, That area later became home at the same time for two different groups. that didn't raise children. That was Mary Brown and Bill Brand Sundergan. And um, they had a following. Uh, Mary Brown um, was a, one of these catastrophe people. Uh, her group... Came together because of fear. That's one of the, the problems. You don't you don't want to get involved with a group that's afraid of something. Um, the fear the fear just tears the group apart eventually. But she was she, her mantra was that the faithful were going to come and take up all the faithful. And everybody else is going to be destroyed, and then the fates will go back down to the earth and start building community. Um, people that were worried it was the time of the Cold War, uh, rocket attacks, and and atom bombs were were things that we lived with, and most of you were too young to to know, but. Uh, when the Russian ships, when the Russian ships were bringing in the missiles, uh, they put a list of things in the newspaper people should stock up on and have, uh, be prepared in case uh, the missiles began to fly. And um, we bought our supplies. We lived rural. We weren't worried about it, but uh, uh, we wanted to have enough food to survive. It was going on fall, there weren't really any problems. So um, that was Mary Brown and Belle. Belle wrote a lot of books, um, but she had no children. Um, Bob Bear, who is uh, one of the writers on some of the sites, he was went to her as a very young man. Uh, Bell claimed she had married Aranathan and she was his wife and that she saved him from evil spirits when he forgot to wear his cape. cape was his his protection. Um, It was just very strange the things that she wrote about. And she wrote many books. A lot of books. Uh, that
1: she wrote. And um, uh, again, may I interject here. Sure. Interject um, away. Because some people may not know the full story of or or be acquainted yet with or or Orinofan, which basically means light from heaven. Um, so uh, Orionothan was either an atmospherian god by but it seems more that that it fitted an Etherean God. And the whole idea of this mortal woman, Bell, um, marrying an Etherean god and saving someone who was already dead from being killed. I mean, as to the flesh from wherever world he was raised from. And she really was very serious about this. And and this is part of uh, what Joan and I have been telling you about. What we have to be careful when you have people who take positions of authority that they are the, and with young people, with they are the last word on these things. It's very dangerous, and um, this is what Mary Lou Brown did too, and it basically was, uh, with Mary Lou Brown, a cult. All religions end up with some group, with a group or two that, really go astray and it hooks in with that concept of one person having the power to make the decisions or the money to finance it and it not being a, a group effort uh, everybody putting into it and the land being belonging to an organization not to an individual. When individuals have it, it's, it they have failed because there is just at this point in time, this um, thinking to the power of having the control and wanting it the way they want it to be. So, Joan, go ahead. I just wanted to. Make oh,
2: thank clear. you for for adding that. Uh, I appreciate. the and questions, uh, questions and comments. Um, I get to talking about this, and I've, I've spent a lot of time researching these communities. I haven't mentioned the Afghans of Cause when they came along. Uh, in the forties, with the uh, end of end of the uh, war, um, Newberry, of course, at Newberry, William Anderson was the one who bought um, the unbound copies of *The Waspie, um and the printer's plates from Justine. And uh, I, I believe, although I have no proof of it, I believe that he got the money from the Brotherhood of Light because they mentioned him in a minute as having started a non-profit group in Los Angeles and shortly after that um, their property had been sold and they had the money and then we suddenly had the money to buy the, uh, the awesomings which he published for many years. He put out thousands of copies. I think he said once he put out 10,000, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, he did. He did a lot of, a lot of uh, fail. He was a man to get the word out there, and um, he did quite a good job in doing it. Um, the Athenes of Coslin were again a, uh, a community that came together because of the Cold War. And the fact that Newborough had thought, according to, well, if you're interested, I can detail it, but I don't want to go into it here. That that uh, tablet in the Watsby, the long skinny tablet with the unpronounceable name, nebula whatever, I think you all know which one I mean. New Nebula. Rack- r- 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 yes. I'm okay. Yeah. Newborough studied that and came up with 1948 as the year of uh, catastrophe and change. And so Wayne Anderson went to, listen to this, he went to Utah because the Mormons had gone there to survive catastrophe. So if the Mormons were going to survive, he was going to be there with the Mormons. And the Mormons didn't run in there. <laughs> and um, they didn't get along very well with the Mormon neighbors, but they had a tremendous, tremendous operation going. They had a printing shop. Um, they had built a two-story hotel for people that had come. Um, they had... Uh, people who were farming the land, they had, I don't, they had vast acreage. And, um, this man came to Wing and he told Wing that he was the author of these self-help papers and wondered if Wing would like to uh, publish them. At least that's what Wing told people. And, they put them out as the theme of lessons, preparing people for uh, faithless initiation. Actually, some of them are pretty good, um, and we still have copies of those. At any rate, um, uh, come to find out, somebody else had written these lessons. The man who went to, to uh, Wayne Anderson was a salesman. And um the man who wrote who had the, the who wrote them and had that uh, the copyright wrote to Wing Anderson and told him to desist circulating the letters. And um, Wing was very, very angry about the whole thing and and said he'd been betrayed and misled, and and the curious thing is that all of this community who had gathered there left with this, this man who was the salesman for the lesson, and um, there, were, there weren't enough people left to run the operation there. So, um, Wing wasn't very popular. He was kind of like Howlin'. He wanted everything done his way, and uh, he was very dictatorial. And there must be more to this story than Wing's version of it, because I don't think all the people would have left um, if what he said was true. The band had deceived him. but we have no way of knowing. All we know is that all the people left. There were a few of the very dedicated faces. These moved to property that was purchased in Colorado. That was Ray Sitman. Mark Betty Place, Robert Mayfer, and uh oh, Mary Ann Toll. Some of the people who'd been there brought bought property Near the the Hidden Cosmo property in Montrose, Colorado, Mossy used to go there. Uh, I uh, remember seeing seeing uh, Carl as a young child hanging on his father's leg (laughs) when they came to visit. my husband went to college near there for a year, but we found the weather far too cold for us, and we <laughs> moved uh, and he finished his uh, his work in uh, California um, the Essenes uh, the- ma- the people who were at the Essenes are really. If I I mentioned at the beginning Bill Rhodes had suggested we have conversations about people who have touched our lives that were faithists. And th- those people who were there at the Athene were the finest faithists I have ever met. Um, they were just good people. And um, Totally dedicated to the work there, and totally dedicated to trying to get along with Wing, and totally dedicated to hosting all the people that came to visit. There was just a parade of people who came there. Um, they were very unhappy with the way Wing worked it. Um, They just didn't like being told what to do. They felt he wasn't there on the property, didn't know what they were dealing with. And um, of course it was his money that bought it. And um, he felt he had the right. So um, he evicted everyone but Ray Sold the large property that they had, that was forty acres, and two very large houses, um, Victorian uh, with many bedrooms. I don't know how many bedrooms were in in that one. At least six bedrooms in the farmhouse. Of my husband and I would stay, and um, Ray uh, stayed on. Moved everything to the smaller property. And I'm sure Ring thought people would come if there was going to be this catastrophe. He wrote a lot of books on prophecy and, and um, was predicting it. Catastrophe. It never came. Still hasn't come. And um, his health began to fail and so he decided to sell the... To sell the property that he had purchased in quite near where um, Boston Texas, are in Colorado, of the same little town community area. he had Wayne had bought a an orchard, and so uh, Ray was given the task of, of uh, clearing up everything, selling everything, selling the property. Uh, the, the money went into um, state funds somewhere but we don't know where uh, non-profit unclaimed funds and um, Ray took a trunk of precious documents the things he thought were the most valued to the future which contained the Brotherhood of Light Papers and the original proof sheets for Newborough's original um, uh, Awofty. Originally, Newborough would sit in his room and type, and then the typed pages would go to the printer, Lant, L-A-N-T. And later that day, the proof sheet would be pulled from the copper plate of what Ruberau had typed that warning. Only then did he read it. And um You were breaking this, uh,
1: up, Joan, could you repeat that please?
2: Only only after he had received the proof sheets that were pulled from the copper plates. I'll get the phone closer. Um, Did he read them and make notations if he wanted any changes? And um, all of those were in this trunk. Alan had preserved them. Newborough had had destroyed um, things that he had But I don't know if he knew that Lant had preserved those old first copies. At any rate, uh, Ray took that with him to Georgia. Virginia Howard took good care of them. Virginia was another one of the people who uh, bought the land and she ran it. And she had a board of directors, but they did not make the decisions. She would remove people from the board of directors and put somebody else in. And uh, uh, she she just got to work. She really didn't trust people. Uh, people took advantage of her. But it was because she wasn't running it as a group effort. She was running it as a proprietor. And um it's not hard. if people can put their heads together to figure out ways to get around get around you. Um, I, I talked with with um Thor Anderson. He was an orphan adopted by uh Wing Anderson but was raised at the the uh, property in uh, Colorado Ray raised him. He considered Ray his father, and um, he told of, of how individuals who came there and would get on the board and find ways to to enable money out of Virginia or steal things.
1: Well,
2: I, he, he said I, it was common.
1: I would be- I would add to that that um, it would seem that Virginia would always if she. She didn't trust people, or to be more correct, she always ended up trusting the people who weren't looking for her own best, her, for the faithless best interest or her best interest. And it it was really interesting because I, you know, I had gone through that too with her. And it it seemed every time um, when it was getting close to be turned over to a faithless group, she would uh, give it to these other people.
2: It um it was a real pattern with her. Um, one year uh, we were going to have um uh, children we just, she wanted to have children come there. And um Cameron was part of the group that I put together. We were going to have it like um uh, indie tribes. And each one of the adults who volunteered to to come uh We were meeting regularly, we were, we were going to, each group was going to be a different tribal group, and the children who were in the groups would, um, learn about the customs and traditions of that particular Native American tribe. And, uh, we'd been meeting regularly. We were like, it was like in March, and, um, the thing was to happen that summer, and we were starting to get the pub—you know—organize ourselves about publicity. And <laughs> Glenn Kendall called me and said, "Oh, have you heard? She's turned the project over to somebody else." And um, somebody else um, fully intended to do it, I'm sure, but. Um, Something else happened. Can you hear me? Somewhat. No well, I'm to say to say that um, it never happened, and um, all that planning was for naught. But um, it, it just—it goes to show. Any group I've left out, there was Otis Acres, Otis Acres. We had children. We had land. We were a group. Money was donated. It wasn't one person. However, one person who was in a different city, never came to the property, thought they should run it, control the money, and were forever telling us, how we should do it, never understanding the problems that we faced. There was drought. All kinds of situations were there. And um, ultimately, she said, we'll sell the land. And we sold the land. We had to. We had no money. And um, my husband and I took one mother. Who had four children with us to Oregon. She, she lived with us for a year and um, she uh, received a marriage proposal and uh, was married. So uh, that's what happened to Orders Acres. Um, it was not, we did not do religious services. It was done as a uh, community, community project. Um, we were vegetarian and we tried to help the community, we tried to help the local people. Uh we gave a lot of food from our garden to a, a widow with I don't know, eight or ten children. Um we tried to, to fit into the community. But um it was just the same old story of somebody who controlled the money, although it was group money, she was treasurer and she controlled the money and um, we just ran out of money so we had to, we had to leave and my husband and I uh, took, took the, and one of the workers went with us, one of the people who was there and stayed as long as, as the woman was there with the children. And he helped us. And um, then he, he while he was there, he became a chiropractor and uh, went into a private practice. So it, it's pretty much the same old story all the way around. The people that control the money want us to control the groups. And we just can't let that happen. The other thing is that groups that come together. Because of catastrophe, just don't work. There's just no way. Uh, they don't have a common enough minding unity to hold them together. The thing that brought them there was they were afraid, and fear is not a foundation for a community. So beware of communities that talk about fear and beware of single proprietorships. UFK is a group. The land was given to us by Cora Bennett, who was a priestess of Cosman Church of England. And we have just recently purchased the adjoining uh, 24 acres, uh, this lovely flat land. So we have over 25 acres. And um, this group, we meet as a group, and uh, Peter's part, well, a lot of the people here. You're all on our mailing list or you wouldn't be here. You know about us because of our, our communication, and we are establishing. You can say we have, we have an online community of people who are part of our online community. Of you. And we really like the the conversations because it gives us a chance to get together and um, talk about things that are of interest to all of us. But there's been so much on some of the Internet sites about how groups failed because they were Masonic and how Newborough manipulated how and it just seemed to me it was time to say let's let's get the facts straight. Um, that wasn't the way it happened. And um, that's about all I can think of to say about this. I think I covered all the all the significant groups. They've always been small groups around. Um,
1: I guess maybe a quick thing with the Elois. Um, they oh, were, well, they
2: didn't have children,
1: though. No, no, but we're just talking about groups failing or not. It it really actually didn't fail. It it that people just got old and you know kind of went had its time, but it was around basically as the yellowists making some changes in it for about ninety years, um, and their work basically was doing inner work of of going into the spirit realm and, and cleansing, um, and they but also again they were a a group decision uh, organization and that's this is a very important point and even us as the board of of UFK you know Joan might ask me to write up something well it's not mine i write a draft and then i send it in and, and we work on it as a group so the the idea of a messianic kind of person who knows all the answers is not where we're coming from. Where we should we shouldn't even be coming from. That. So anyone at this point, I would put into what Joan had just said with the other two, is someone coming, whether they have the money or not, who is got all the answers. We don't have all the answers. The only one who has all the answers is the Creator. You know, even the God of the planet, he doesn't have all the answers. Um, and this is. Really important for us to really discuss as a group to understand the dynamics in this. What what personal power in a group ha- means when when it's financial or philosophical um, is so very dangerous. So, from
5: Joan, I have
1: an observation. What's that, Candy?
5: Was Peter well, through
2: talking? Was Peter through?
1: No, go, let her, let her uh Okay. Let her.
2: Candy? Yes. Well,
1: it seems to me
5: that uh the cause of of failure in in all groups is uh the interference from the Rujas and the anti Jehovian angels. <laughs> I feel like we need to uh, identify the ways that they uh, mess things up and uh, what we can do to protect ourselves uh, from them. And uh, I think that the uh, Eloists did a fairly good job of protecting themselves. And I think maybe it's a topic for another time, but I think that it's an important uh, uh, topic
1: Oh, that's an always ongoing thing, which we have discussed, and and, and definitely my work with the the RFK, the Restoration Faithists, is our main work is dealing with uh, obsession, possession, um, anti-Jehovian activities. So this is never something to forget with also understanding that the Spirits can take on all kinds of looks. They can look like whatever they want to look like. Um, and there's so many mysteries in, in the spirit world. Like Shakespeare says, you know, um, there are more things in heaven and earth that, uh, than you can think of in your philosophy, Horatio, which is not the exact quote word for word, but that's the gist of it. Um, well, I do
5: think that, that Joan gave a wonderful presentation and she made lots of remarks. That was right. Very appropriate tonight, and I just appreciate the history and her research, uh, and, and and obviously, uh, you know, the the were attacking Holland and
2: all of these
1: these people right. there. But but these what I think what Joan what we're trying to point out at this talk because these are topics that are ongoing topics, obviously. Um, as we understand and as we grow in understanding how to become more harmonious with ourselves, this is a process, not an overnight thing. And one of one of the things that the drudges do, because this is like the first resurrection mentality, is to send someone into a group and say, well, I've got the answers and I've got the money and I'm going to take care of everybody because we're still... As a culture stuck in the messianic concept of a deliverer, male, female, uh, whatever, but an individual yeah. who's got the answers, and we just go, okay, tell us what to do, and not mm-hmm. and forgetting that we are all. M- mediums in the sense of we are the medium between our own corporeality and the creator. There's nobody in between us to go to. We go to the creator and how these entities play on us. One is they play on our fears. Um, They manipulate our trust. At the same time, we have to be, as it says, in we learn how to think for ourselves and analyze situations and not follow blindly, you know, belief and disbelief going hand in hand, questioning, asking those questions, reality testing. This is an ongoing kind of thing. And I think you're right, though, to to have discussions about how the, the negative forces interfere as well as discussing how over hundreds of years we have built up a Mindset in in the ether of selfishness and um, wealth and power, which is you know the larger tetrach of, of the culture, or tetrachs of the culture. So um, just to like quickly mention, with four winds, it was a it was a beautiful setup physically. It was a model physical model. There was there were living quarters. There was the big house. that even had a. a, a The facility set up a sauna and steam room, Um, it had a a temple, had a community house, they had a house that was supposed to be for the children. But it all came to naught because again, individual ownership and not trusting in the group process And that's what a lot of the judges do. Because once you start having more than one person analyzing something, then that power of that one individual to have um, a kind of tyranny over the group, for however it's set up. Um, Mary Lou Brown, the damage that was done to so many young people was really horrific. And, you know, there's um, uh, a trace of that today, it lingers, It has affected a lot of people. So, um, and I have been talking too much here. We have our folks on board. So can we, Joan, would you feel this is right to go around and, and ask people to um, uh, make- if
2: they have any questions, yes, I'll be glad to ask questions.
1: So I'm going to try to just do this um, mechanically here. So after Joan, I have Michael. Any comments you would like to make?
0: Um, No, I I want to agree with Candy. I think he did a great uh, presentation, Joan. Yeah, Um, definitely,
1: Joan. Very good.
0: Definitely want to thank you for that. Thank you. Um, Nothing right now, but I I did want to... um, I wonder if, it, I don't know if this would be something negative, but I'm uh, curious about some of these names that you mentioned that were kind of, as you just mentioned, Peter, damaging, like this Mary Lou Brown. And I think you mentioned something about some faith is life or something. And I've never heard about this. Maybe we can talk
2: about some time.
1: Okay. Okay, that's Well,
2: I have, I have written articles on all these groups and if you're interested in them, um, we will be putting things in the newsletter. Um, but I don't think that the things about the groups will be in right away. If you're interested in the groups, just email me and uh, I'll be glad to uh, send you uh, the material that you request. Um, you can start with the very first one in New Jersey and trace it right up through today. Um, that's no problem. It's quite a bit of stuff, quite a bit of people. And it's a very interesting history. So uh, contact me if you want it. We have it. It's all I have I have written it all up and it's it's uh, all here available, please.
1: I think I just had a a sinking a feeling. I don't think either Michael or I put the recording on. Yes you did. Oh you did? I didn't hear the yeah. Oh, yes. oh good, good. I
3: hope yeah, I good.
1: Good. okay okay uh, so um probably when i got off um Leslie
2: well, um, maybe just a comment that's been kind of floating around in my mind lately is just um, I kind of think of it like when you plant seeds and the seed and they're very tender and vulnerable to begin with, um, you know, I mean, you have to kind of, it's like a little nursery of seeds when you first plant them. And you have to be very careful and keep them moist and everything. And um, not too much water, not too much light, just enough. And maybe it's like that. And maybe it's, you know, the grade of us, too. Oh, yeah. Um I do think that, um, I, I did give a talk to Unitarian Church one time about about Shalem here locally in Las Cruces, and I kind of concluded that Mubro um, had the spiritual maturity and depth, but that those that came out tended not necessarily to have that, or they were too urban, say, uh, in some cases, and they were used to that. I mean, that was an issue, apparently. They weren't farmers, a lot of them. Right. But Newboro had grown grown up that way. And, and there is a, a thing about, um, you know, people can't just sit around and be spiritual either. You know, um, there has to be work and they have to, you know, pitch in and everything. But um, so I think, and also I know he was trying to get, um, was it John Bates, Bates was his friend to come out to Shalem. He wanted he wanted someone like, I'll call him John Bates, to come out. Um, but Bates had something, um, a business or a law firm or something like that, So, uh, he he was a printer. He was a printer. printer. He did a lot of the printing, The new girl. Okay, good. Excuse me. Well, so, so I just want to say, sometimes it it may be that, you know, it's the more kind of responsible people aren't necessarily the ones that are going to be freed up to to come out, you know, to the wilderness, um, so to speak. So, that may be part of it. Um, and also, I'm of a mind now of that it, it does need to start in a, in a different kind of way. I've kind of touched on this before, but, and not be so so outer, come one, come all, and, and um, you know, the basics have, have to be really about establishing the light very, very strongly in a very disciplined way and that's kind of how i see it now i could be wrong (laughs) and here i am in my little house talking but um and and you know i was there at four winds when it was called the faith of farm and so on and so forth so um you know i've had different experiences but i i do come down to that and maybe you know, just the grade of light needs to grow further. And the other thing about seedlings is you, you have to um, kind of thin them out. And, and it may be, you know, we are, we are a harvest, we are a crop, so to speak, of souls. And, and we learn, we learn um, uh, with every attempt and just as it's being shared here, and just as those people from Shalem, when Shalem ended, they, people went out to different places still. They were still interested, some of them. And, um, you know, they continued. But they did learn from those attempts already. So, you know, it, it's um, right. just the way of the beginning of things.
1: Well I think it, it, Leslie in relationship to that, that's and you were there when we had our our, um, our annual meeting. One of the things that had come through, I think you were still there, was that mm-hmm. we would build up the light on the property and continue to yeah. build yeah. the light up to to really build a foundation for yeah. tomorrow, basically. The other thing I think in agreement with you, what it says in and I'm not I don't pronounce it but Avava Chava where it says the perfect, you know, the all-perfect instrument, but like a marriage. The husband takes a wife, then you have children. You build from a small, as you put it, a seedling.
2: Yes, it is small, and that's probably for the best, you know, to start with. And um, so, and and Joe mentioned it with one of the groups saying that just having a few people I guess it was one of the Brotherhood of Light attempts, you know, that that's the best way to go instead of one, come one, come all, and everybody comes out on the train out to the wilderness. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, and, and again, you know, just the idea of, you know, um, I know land has, has also been bought here, but just having acreage, but it, it is the spirit and soul of the people who must be invested. And I know when we had the one with um, more about community and, and Dale kind of misunderstood the term I used, buy-in. Buy-in isn't necessarily financial at all. It's agreement. It's mutual right. agreement that this right. is how how we, as a tiny, small group, want to want to do things, is the idea. Right. And so that's the real buy-in it's and, a spiritual
5: buy-in
1: and i think let's also that the Elois said that in their writings in one of the ratings they said mm-hmm. you know starting off with no, with a group probably no bigger than seven or ten people you know something
2: yeah with that <laughs> yeah no, it's no but, bigger yeah
1: mm-hmm. and you know they started off small and then they, you know they built up on it but you, the people become yeah. integrated with each other not by force, but by even just on these phone calls. We, The more we do these things, the more we communicate, the more we build up a bond in the light about what we're doing. It's, it's, yes. It doesn't happen overnight. And much of this with the folks who are on this phone, or some of the folks on this phone, has, has come about over years of knowing each other.
2: Right. Right, and but years I, of I, more experience and learning. So that's all I have to say for right now. Next. Right.
1: Okay, so I'm going to jump <laughs> yes. over here. Richardson, you, uh, one to... of.
2: I'd like, to, Peter, I'd like to say something before you go on. Okay. There's one other thing that separates us from um, Shalem and those people. Um, I have been reading a WASP for over 60 years. Yes. Peter, how many years have you been reading speak? Well,
1: it's got to be from um, nineteen seventy end of seventy five, beginning of seventy six.
2: Okay, Leslie, how about you? How many years have you been reading? I found it like so. It's been forty years or more. Forty, forty something, forty something. Yeah. So, I think I think that that people today are much more knowledgeable about a lot that exactly, than the people who went to Shaman. And even yes. some of the brotherhood of white people, uh, although they did have study, but it takes years for some of these concepts to really mature in your thinking. Yes. And I think we have such an advantage because... You know, I can talk about some of these things, these people. Um, I've known all these people I talked about tonight. There may be one or two of them I didn't know. I knew Virginia. Um, we knew the Asimha the, Cosman. We knew that we visited at the LLS. Um My husband and I went out and met all these groups. We knew Bell Brand. We knew Mary Nick Brown. Um, we knew these people. And to be able to share with you these experiences helps build a foundation for how to proceed in the future. And you can hear me talk about how these people did these things, these crazy things that some of them did. Um, uh, one thing that that Virginia did, I felt, was really, she corrected. Uh, one of the people wanted to build a house in the property his family and so he paid for it he was building the whole thing then she decided she wanted him off the property and he wanted the money he had put into the house i think that's fair but she wasn't real happy about it and um who was that who who was it that built it built a house it was um uh I'm not hearing the name right.
1: Dale was it Dale Laddie, you said?
2: Dale Laddie, L A D D Y, Dale Laddie. Oh, 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 okay. All right. Yeah, he built he built a really nice house for his family to live there. And um he expected he felt that he should be paid for all the money he put into it. And she ultimately did pay him, although some people thought she shouldn't have. But um you know, having an individual home the group around uh, is one concept that has worked among intentional communities other people. So, um, you know, th- there's lots of ways to be successful. It's just that um, we need to think through what we're doing. Excuse me, Peter, go ahead.
1: No, I've, I've just been following up with that, because we had all the people who had been kicked off by uh, um, uh, by Virginia, we got to say that basically it was an honor to be kicked off because of the people <laughs> who were really dedicated were the ones who got booted. That's Uh-oh. the
3: truth. That's the truth of it.
1: <laughs> so it was the honorable... Uh, of the Honorable Society of the Discharged Faithful. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yes, indeed.
1: And poor, da- poor, Dale <laughs> poor, poor Dale Lottie got kicked off on and off. It was sort of like, he was like a football. Yeah.
2: Yeah, mm. yeah.
1: I mean, it's sad, really. So, that's anyway, we should continue here. Richard. And
2: he's still affiliated. He's still interested. He's still doing things, and we're still in touch.
1: Right. So... Um Richardson, brother? Yeah, I'm here. Any any comments that you'd like to make?
4: Um, I would like to piggyback on something that you said and also something that um Candy mentioned about the solar paneling. when um I think when the intentional community started in the in the thirties, nineteen thirties. It was a time of Aji, Aja, and, yep. you know, time of darkness, so there was a lot of um, in these times that was causing, you know, trying to stop the movement of of the faith, the faithist movement.
1: Right.
4: And, but, you know, at these times, we we'll have to be very vigilant. We we'll have to be very focused if we yeah. were to try to start an intentional community in our time because, um, We're still in the time of, I think, Gaia at the time, at the moment. And um, until the time of Dan arrived, I think in 2049, according to the chart of light and darkness, I think that's that's when we have to look forward to seeing the faithist movement flourish because that's that's when the time of light is going to hit the – the solar
1: family, right? You, uh, to you, to kind of back up that, it, the church, the Cosman Church in England, during the forties, during the war, of, well, thirty nine, um, lost a lot of faithists, They were killed in the Blitz and so forth. I mean, this was a, a, an extreme, an extreme time of darkness.
3: Um, right,
1: right. And um, and to go back about uh, Wing Anderson, you know, he was controlling not only, was but he himself was not a vegetarian wasn't even a vegetarian he smoked he drank and it was strange because he got things done but yes, yes but he himself was open for the all the kind of really open for all the negative kind of negative influences that would take advantage of a person in that uh capacity um so anyway let, let's move on here unless you have any uh you want to continue with that Richardson or should I move on um,
4: well, that's, I guess I kind of got what you were saying a little twisted, because I thought that Joan mentioned that there was a, a faithist community starting, or at least attempting to start around the 30s, but yeah. I guess I got it twisted. No, it did. That, the, the, the,
1: the Wing Anderson's group did start in the 30s, what I'm saying, but it was. Yeah,
4: they weren't faithists. Well, the group was this. He wasn't faithless. He okay, was. Okay. But he he wasn't.
2: published a Watsby. Don't forget, he was the biggest publisher and distributor of a WASP that we've ever had.
1: So the point okay. being is that sometimes in dark times, you need maybe a little shady to get things done. Um, but then he, when, when that was passed, he was still trying to hold on to that kind of power. Um, Maybe we could call it Churchillian power. You know, like I'm in control. I got to get this thing done.
4: Right, uh, right, right.
1: So you know, it was it was it was a shadow of the of the times, the kind of mentality that was going on in in the in the in the, in the '40s and so forth. Um, okay.
4: So, and also, um, Candy mentioned that um, Judas were attempting to stop her movement. Well they're they're always
1: their job is look, it's like it's like a game in a sense. You know, you got two teams. They're, the other team's job is to stop the other team's advance. That's you know, so we just have to be aware until, you know, Cosman really is underway, which is, you know, not in our lifetime when it really takes the planet. Um, so we have to learn how to understand our Tetrax. Which is the right, right. key? Because if we don't understand the tetrax, then we just have ports of entry for these. We just have open ports of entry for the right, right. these
4: entities. Um, so, so basically, probably it's not time for the for the communities to start at this time. And but I would building try. up the
1: light in ourselves and and right, taking, right. and being aware of our our. Our, our shortcomings and, and what our Tetracks are doing and to just work on um, helping each other and building up our spiritual bodies, being aware. Sometimes we slip a little bit and pick ourselves up, keep on going. It's sort of like AA and NA, you know, you, you do your best. Sometimes you get, you get whacked, you pick yourself up and keep on working and not, not being dissuaded from the goal. What what their okay. ultimate thing was is to discourage us from action. Okay, I see. You know, to to say, what? Why are we doing this? What a waste of time, kind of thing. And we gotta fight and keep going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I understand. And so I'm gonna go to Carmela now. Carmela, you still there?
6: Yes. Can you hear me?
1: Okay. Um, Any thoughts? Any observations, etc.?
6: Um. There was a lot of information that was, I think, new to me. So just like so, piecing all of the timeline and um, all of the different just facts and um, events that had happened, but. Um, what you had just mentioned, Peter, I felt like that really resonated with me about just being aware of our, our tech track and um, being our, being aware of our own results and how um, just being conscious of how we walk into the light and how our decisions and choices affect not just our own personal bodies, but everybody else's close to us. And... Um, you know, it's easy to get swayed with things. Even when you think, like, it might be a good thing, you can easily be swayed by unseen forces that, you know, we don't always see the bigger outcome. Um, and so I always consciously, like, try to at least keep myself
1: aware of that.
6: And so when you had said that, it just kind of had me thinking, but...
1: That's true, That's true. Um, we're, in te- you know, the Creator has given us intelligence and part of the deal is to learn how to use our intelligence, our feelings, sense, understand our sensations, understand how our workings of our, from our physical body to our spiritual soul bodies. Um, so it's, it's, it's an ongoing work in progress. And um, we have... A mind, and as we see it in OASBE, the, the mind expands, and we learn to do more and more things. So, all of this is a, a learning experience, uh, and it can get kind of dire. It can get depressing, but even learning how to deal with our depression is part of learning to master ourselves and master the elements. Um, so. You know,
2: Thank you. Are there still here that haven't shared?
1: Yeah, I'm going to... Well, yeah. I'm going to go back because Candy's here. She did say something. Do you have any more to you'd like to well, add, Candy? Yes,
5: I, I do, Peter. Uh, a suggestion for anyone thinking about community, I, I think we can't just uh, take people at their word that they say, I've read a WASP on the basis and, and I want to cooperate. I, I think we need to... Almost develop some kind of a uh, an application form, and and you know ask people what well, what ten, uh, ten verses in a waspi that you love, and what kind of skills do you have? If you're coming to a rural community, what kind of skills do you have? Gardening, electrical, plumbing, uh, uh, cooking, uh, so that, and and so uh, it's just, and, and I, I think that uh, probably like you were saying the staging in New Jersey area or something first, I, I think that the city folks maybe need to have a staging area in the city where they work out the uh, inner dynamics of, of community before they go out in the wilderness and try to learn how to uh live in, in a rural community. And of course, in, in the intentional community book, they have the list of the various uh, urban communities as well as the rural ones. And so that's my suggestion. Well, that I,
1: think, I think that's that. very good. I mean, I think we, that is a very true thing. I mean, those skills can be learned. I mean, I know for myself, I'm an urban person, and, and being handicapped, being away from um, the kind of resources I have is, is, is an important thing. And so I guess, you know, I really do call myself an Uzzy in faith is in the sense of that I am urban, and, it, and that does speak to me. But at the same time, people can learn skills. And I found when I went out to Colorado, a lot of that stuff I didn't do, but I learned how to do it. So I think part of what you're saying is that the people who come, even if they don't have the skills, they've got to be ready to learn and humble themselves in the, in the sense of listening to people who know what they're doing in that environment. Yeah. And, and um, But I think in in one sense, going back to our earlier conversation, uh, this conversation is about part of this whole thing with these calls and us all talking over the years. We, we are learning. We're sharing verses. We're showing that yeah. our, our growth. We're showing our knowledge, and, and it may be a good place as hopefully more people join in on these calls where we can build up, as you put it, a staging uh, a staging area for the work to come. Because I think it is to, to kind of vet people, to kind of know where people are at, and um, over the years we have gotten to know each other more, uh, more and more. Um, so I think it, it is happening on one way, but I think, yeah, you've got to kind of find out where people may be coming to as best you can coming from. Uh, so it, it, the least chance of sabotage, if you will, but not be paranoid about it. That's the thing. Be cautious, be aware, be analytical. But when we get paranoid and suspicious, that's when the drudges start working on us. Um, so let me go to Udin I'm sorry, I don't pronounce your name correctly. Udia. Are you still with us?
0: Oh, no, she she had to go to sleep.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Sarah. Carol Sue, you still with us? Yes, we lost Carol Sue <laughs> too. I'd like to read something because um, when we say spiritual, because Leslie, you were talking about people just being spiritual, but yeah, I yeah. have the Cosman <laughs> yeah, okay. Keynotes here, and I want to read a paragraph or a section that's in it. Well,
2: did everybody hear it? I'm sorry.
1: It's, everybody. In the, it's in the Cosman Keynote, so it's, Cosmic Keynotes is a group of sayings from Owaspi that the Eloists put out. So it doesn't give, unfortunately, chapter and verse. Um, the law is unalterable in heaven and on earth. That whatsoever you cultivate will grow. The spirit groweth by cultivation, which is the practice of wisdom truth, virtue, benevolence, and affiliation with others. Spirituality is not some vague kind of sitting around philosophizing um, about what the heavens may or may not be like. It is wisdom. It is looking for truth. It's virtue and benevolence. And benevolence can fit. You know, you got work to do. We work together. We take. We share burdens. There's so the. I think really understanding what spirituality is opposed to psych, psychological or psychism in the sense of seeing, having visions, being able to see into the spirit world is a psychic ability, part of one's intelligence and emotional makeup to be able to see things. It is, you don't have to be spiritual in the sense of onward and upward to greater growth and character, to, to be able to see a variety of different dimensions. So I think it's very important not to confuse the two. And, and Gwen mm-hmm. Walton was one of the people who really kind of hit me to that. Um, so being spiritual basically is being virtuous, moral, um, intelligent, working on trying to be wise, uh, and doing good. Uh, and again, going back to what Joan said, like, a lot of the people who came to Shalom, they, they weren't in a clue. They were looking for utopia that was going to certain unfold and just embrace them and it was just going to happen. And we have found out over the years it just doesn't work that way. Um,
0: <laughs>
3: In that sense
1: we've all got to work for our supper.
0: And that makes sense.
2: The, the Brotherhood of Light had a wonderful phrase that I keep saying. You'll probably go tired of hearing it. Um they they would ask spirit questions at their um at their meetings and um through the trans medium the questions would be answered. One question they asked was, what can we do to best assist the work that we're trying to do? And the angelic answer was, you try and try and try again. And that's what we've been doing. (laughs) Trying again.
4: That's what I've been doing.
2: My well, that's, that's
1: what your talk has been about—is all these yeah. trials. That's
2: a real a history, a history of trying.
1: And and um, human beings do learn more. We do learn more, fortunately or unfortunately, from our mistakes than from our victories.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, And that just is something we probably got to eat as people. That just is what it is. Um, As much as we may not like it, um, (laughs) it it is the way it happens. Um, And I'm sure the angels are much more understanding of our seeming failures um, than we are. There's also a line in OWASP that really struck me, and it's a very simple line. It says, the only failure is not trying. We may not get goal attainment, which is different. The success is in the doing. The goal may not be reached, but the doing is the success in and of itself. Yeah.
0: Mm, That makes sense.
1: It provides information to build on. Good, good. How's it going? Yeah. So, um, we're at seven fifty five um, Joan, do you have anything else you want to add before we close it out?
2: No, um, just remember that if you want information on these groups, I can send it uh, hard copies through the postal service, or I can send uh, them we have them in the computer. They can come to you if you have a printer um, on all these groups. They're very interesting, and it's um, worthwhile to study them. Um, that would be the only thing I would care to say if there's point. No. I've enjoyed doing this. I, I've learned a lot, and, and um, I continue to learn. I continue to find things that fill in a little bit of history that I didn't know, and it's... Um, like we now know who made the changes in Waspy, who who did the editing, added the Cotton the matter story, and, and he said we didn't know that. We now know who did it, and it, I just keep going through all these papers we have here and reading them and sorting them and trying to preserve them, and I'm finding out a lot of interesting material. Really, really great, great work. Well,
1: Alrighty, does anybody want to volunteer for the closing prayer? Oh, well,
3: I want <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'll pray.
1: You
4: say you'll do it, Richardson? Yeah, I'll do it. Alright, thank okay. you. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father, Father, Mother, Creator. Jehovah, Om we're approaching prayer tonight for the closing of this um, conference call. We've learned a lot. We spoke. We touched on a few topics on um, intentional community and how they have felt. We pray that eventually in the future we can succeed and spread your name and your kingdom throughout the earth. In your name we pray, Jehovah. Amen. Home, yeah. Thank you.
1: Right. All right, folks, have a good one.
0: Uh, one other thing, Michael.
1: Michael, go ahead.
0: Uh, yeah, I just wanted to. Carmela, are you still there? Yes. Uh, I just wanted to know if you wanted to be put on the mailing list. Uh, you send out uh, announcements and get your email address. Sure. Okay, what's your email?
6: Um, it's liya, Laya, L A Y A dot Carmella, C A R M E L A at email.com. And it says email? Email, yep. I'm
0: sorry, are you saying like, D, George? Oh, sorry,
6: sorry there's static.
1: Yeah, listen, Michael, I'll send, I have Carmella's, um, email address I'll send it to you if this static okay, sure. doesn't stop
0: all right,
6: all right. Well, thanks for joining us Carmella. okay
0: thank you yeah
1: thank you Carmel I really all appreciate right. it
6: all right
1: all right good night folks thanks, be blessed all all right. Right. let us all right. keep all right. on keeping on uh, uh, all
2: right.
1: and keep on again <laughs> and keep on again try to try to try and to try and to try and when you try and try not to cry
2: your <laughs> rhymes, unfortunately, doesn't it? Good, Good
1: night, night, Peter. Good night. Good night.